We just need to have the ability to sit with other people and hear their experiences. I think that's what creates the feeling of being one is like, I may not be going through exactly what you're going through, but I have also felt fear. I have also felt disconnect. Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Radically Loved podcast. Today, I am so excited to introduce our guest. She is the author of Toxic Positivity and somebody that I've been waiting to have a conversation with because there was so much about this book I felt was so relevant to the world we live in. And I couldn't wait to share this conversation with you all. Here is my conversation with Whitney Goodman. Thank you so much, Whitney, for being on the show. I've, like I said, been looking forward to having this conversation with you for a long time. Thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. So let's just get this out of the way. Just tell everybody <laughs> what, what is toxic positivity. And I just have so many questions. Actually, I want to also talk about it, how it actually relates to the wellness world at large right now. And I'd love to just pick your brain. For sure. So toxic positivity is the unrelenting pressure to be happy, be positive, or be pursuing happiness at all costs, no matter what the circumstances. And this is something that we can use against ourselves and other people. Yeah. So (laughs) amazing. And I say that because I feel like so, I saw that I saw that fucking tower crumble the minute the pandemic happened Mm -hmm. for so many people, right? Especially a lot of the people that gave off that facade of I'm positive all the time. Everything is great. Just think positively. It's like, what are you going to do when there's a pandemic? Right. So right. What, what was your experience for yourself? What did you see happening? And, and I'm not talking about in terms of your clients. I'm just talking as a wellness practitioner. Like, what did you see? So this is actually when I saw a lot of people like double down on those beliefs and especially people who make their money off of that type of rhetoric, right? Of like, we're going to be positive. We're going to get through this. And that was when I first went to the publisher with this idea because I was like, wow, this hasn't gone anywhere. But people were really struggling with it more behind the scenes. I feel like even though there was this larger narrative of like, celebrities singing in their houses and saying, we're all going to get through this together. And no one was actually feeling that way. Yeah, it was, I saw the same thing with, especially uh, some of the influencers I follow that were Uber, just change your mindset, positivity mindset, like here are the best ways to self-care. Let me show you how amazing my house is, first of all. Let's go. Oh, I love being at home. It's like a retreat center and just to make your own. 
Even look, I have a nice place. It's not a big place, but I've got a nice place. I've got uh well, this got created because of the pandemic, but you know, I didn't have an in-house studio. Now I do. But there was a lot of people who their only solace is to be able to go out in the world, you know? So I definitely did feel a little bit of that. I don't know, like don't fully express your experience because it may upset other people, but I feel like that's part of the toxicity that is happening in the world, right? Like we're just not able to be fully authentic or fully ourselves for fear of what exactly? What happened? What is it in our brain that stops us from being able to fully express how we're feeling? I mean, I think a lot of it is fear of rejection, right? Of like, if I share how I'm really feeling, how I'm really doing, you're going to get scared. You're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to not understand me, whatever it is. And this is where I see toxic positivity really become pervasive. It's like this, I have to be good all the time and happy. Otherwise I'm going to get left because people don't like to be around people that are negative or complaining or hurting. That's like the cultural narrative that we have. So I'm like, why is it so prevalent? Why does it feel like it's so prevalent or is it just, do you think it's because of social media that we have this desire for acceptance? It certainly plays a role. I mean, we're all performing in some way on social media now and looking for acceptance in some ways, but humans are just built that way biologically. We want to belong. We're like pack animals and we need to be part of a group, whatever that group may be, you know, whether it's wellness culture or fitness or anything, we want to be like, this is what I do and accept me because I'm just like you. Right. There's a, this, the fine line between being positive and it becoming toxic. And I feel like it's even a little nuanced to go from a place of, okay, I have to, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself from having an experience of being in a chaotic environment and having to think creatively of a different way out. My only way of doing that is by just thinking positively and and being able to just sort of move through the obstacles in a way, hoping that things will get better. But Mm -hmm. I think that there is a fine line between that and just pretending. So it's like, where is the, where is the line between the whole fake it till you make it like, just, just be positive and it becoming sort of this like pathology where this person's just refusing to allow their feelings to come to surface. Yeah, I think what you just described is a good way of of looking at that example. So if you're somebody that's in a chaotic environment, home is tough, you have to really recognize that like, this is bad. I don't want to be here. This is not a reality that I want to be a part of. And through that, you can use positive thinking in a healthy way to help you problem solve, to help you imagine a different reality. The way I've seen it get toxic is people, particularly like women in abusive relationships being like, but they love me. I have a roof over my head. At least I have someone. I should be grateful. And in that case, you're using positivity to dismiss what's going on, not look at the bad stuff and force yourself to stay there because it's kind of like what you deserve or it's good enough. Yeah. God, that's really, it takes a lot of discernment to be able to get there though, right? Like that 
awareness to say, okay, this doesn't feel good, but is it going to feel this not good for a long time? Or is it just for a little while? Like there's, I don't know, it's such a hard thing, right? How do you know? And there might not be an answer to this question. I think about it again for myself or questions that I've had from the listeners when they're trying to grapple with making a decision or going through a really hard time. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs during the last two years. So going through that transition of, okay, I lost my job. I'm going to stay positive and hope that something else comes along. How much longer is this going to go on? (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's, I think the questions you're asking, like so many people can relate to that because it goes back to this thing of like, I want to have control yeah, and I want to know what's next. And that's really what positive thinking, like the way it's framed gives us on a silver platter is like, think positively and manifest your dream life. And some of that is true, right? Like I need to imagine that it's possible for me, but also if I'm somebody that lost my job, thinking positively and hoping something comes along probably isn't the best strategy. Like I need to go meet people. I need to do my resume. <laughs> like, yeah. You have to so, do, you have to actually do things. Right. Right. And yeah. thinking about like, why did I lose my job? You know, did I have any role in that? Was it just the pandemic? Like, I think we have to be really self-reflective as well and not just look at it as like, this is an opportunity for me. Yeah. Yeah. And take responsibility. Right. So I'm a big fan of taking agency of yourself in your own life and Mm -hmm. be able to get it done, you know, like just be hopeful and still have that positive mindset, but at the same time, do the work that you need to get yourself from point A to point B. As you were saying that, all I kept thinking about was how annoyed I was when I watched the documentary, The Secret. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how amazing, yes, it's amazing. Yeah, to be able to be that positive, to manifest your life, amazing, yes. But at the same time, watching that video and seeing that little boy try and manifest that bike and it just show up at your doorstep, it's like, hey, maybe that has happened to you, but let's, the reality of the world is that the odds of that happening are very slim. So what kind of like, what kind of fucked up belief system did the secret <laughs> leave us with? <laughs> I really think it destroys our sense of reality in a way. It also is so victim blaming. Like it's almost like if you don't get the bike on your doorstep, well, yep. that's your problem. And you weren't thinking right. positively enough. And you were, and I've asked people about this, you know, like what about kids that get abused or things that happen? And I've really had people who strongly believe in this stuff say, well, I must have been thinking about it or I must have made it happen in some way. And that to me is terrifying. I never want someone to feel that way. Yeah. I want to ask you about what it was like for you as a wellness practitioner during this time when everything did get turned upside down, even in the middle of you writing. So you were writing this book during the pandemic. Yeah. 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 So what was it like for you during this time? Were you just personally having to also deal with the changes that were happening with the world? And at the same time, 
working with clients or, or working with people who were having a hard time? What was that? And writing this book. Yeah. What, what was it like for you during this time? How were you able to do it really? You know, it was actually a lot. Um, and as I'm looking back, you know, once the book got published, I really had this big, like emotional release that I think I had been holding on to for like the last two years, because I was also pregnant while I was writing the book. And there was just like a lot going on that it was a coping mechanism for me in a way to have a lot of stuff to focus on and other people's problems to attend to. But it was one of the only times in my life that I've been going through something very similar to all of my clients at the same time. And I couldn't refer them out because it was triggering to me because every other therapist is going through that when normally that would have been what I would do. I would say, you know, I don't think this is a good fit for me right now. You should go to somebody else. Yeah. So I think we all had to really step up to the plate, right? To really put the things that we preach into practice, so to speak. I, I remember when this was happening and had a lot of my students messaging me. A lot of people were, everybody was kind of going through this collective trauma, not only with the pandemic, but civil unrest and everything Mm -hmm. else that was going on in the country. It was, you know, I, I really do believe that we encounter knowledge and teachable moments for in our lives to learn to deal with harder situations, right? Like life life gets easier at times, but then at times it gets harder. And I Mm -hmm. think that if most of the time we spend our time trying to create an easier life, yes, we all would like an easier, more fluid, more abundant life. But the reality is that we still have to show up and we don't actually have a crystal ball that's going to tell us what is going to happen. So, Mm -hmm. So what are some ways that we can remain positive and sort of is the point to avert toxic positivity or just to learn how to be positive at the right times? So I think that's the key difference between toxic positivity and healthy positivity, right? Mm -hmm. Is the timing piece, the audience, the topic, and really trying to hone in on like, when does this fit? But I also like to point out that You can be optimistic and hopeful and not use toxic positivity. And Mm. and really what that includes is being able to like radically accept like, okay, this has been hard. I just, I went through a pandemic. I lost my job, whatever it is, has been hard. And I know it can't stay like this forever. I have faith that things can turn around and I'm going to play a part in that and assert control over my life in the ways that I can. And really just like, holding space for that nuance. I think a lot of us struggle with that. It's either all good or all bad. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to be in that gray, like you just said, without the crystal ball and just trying to live in that moment. Yeah. Well, that's, it's so true. And it, like, it's so much easier to say it than it is to actually live it. But I (laughs) think, right. No, but I think that we do. I think we, everybody that's listening, all of us here, we got through it. You know, we may know people, some people that didn't in our lives and, but we're here. I think we're, that should speak volumes to our ability to adapt to change and impermanence, right. To be able Mm -hmm. to just navigate life's challenges uh, as gracefully as we can. 
people age at different speeds, and the date on your license may not represent your inner biological age at all. If you're looking for ways to extend your health span and slow down the aging process, the keys to health and longevity run in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to improve your metabolism, reduce stress, improve sleep, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. Add your inner age 2.0 to any plan for a definitive calculation of your true biological age to see how you're aging from the inside out. You might be surprised. For a limited time, all of our radically loved listeners are getting 20% off of their entire Inside Tracker store. Just head over to insidetracker.com forward slash loved. That's insidetracker.com forward slash loved. That's I N S I D E Tracker dot com forward slash left to get 20% off the entire inside tracker store. Look, I totally get it. Trying something new can be completely intimidating, especially something like meditation, something that we think we, I'm doing air quotes, should be good at. It's one of those things we've heard so many people talk about that we think we should automatically have it mastered. But that's naturally not the case for most people. Every day we hear about how morning rituals can change our day, but have you ever thought about your evening rituals, allowing yourself to transition and wind down, and maybe incorporating a meditation during a time that feels more natural to you? Well, I have some great news for you, my friends. We're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel and something that you can use when it best suits your schedule. Reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. If you go to calm.com forward slash loved, you'll get a special offer of 40% off of a Calm premium subscription and new content is added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. I call Calm my wind down bestie because it is the only way that I can get into a state where I feel, well, calm. So head over to calm.com forward slash love. That's C-A-L-M dot com forward slash L-O-V-E-D. That's calm.com forward slash loved for 40% off of unlimited access to Calm's entire library. You also talk about systemic toxic positivity, and I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, while I was writing the book, you mentioned like a lot of the political unrest and things that were going on at that time. I noticed after uh, George Floyd that there was this onslaught of toxic positivity online. It was like every time I saw a person of color, a creator make a post there would be a million white people saying, can't we all just love each other? Can't we all just get along? We need to focus on the positive. And it was this really like terrible way of responding to really real injustices and problems in the world. And I just noticed that this was coming up a lot in response to ableism, you know, sexism, racism, all these types of prejudice that we're constantly telling people to like, just be grateful that it's not worse or at least it's not X. 
And it's this weird way of using like positivity and happiness to like maintain the status quo and shut mm-hmm. people up. And it sounds friendly when people do it. It's like, well, why can't we all just love each other? But like, okay, I think we've tried that right now. Like maybe we need to move on to another suggestion, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So interesting because I saw so much of that. And I think a lot of it too has to do with sometimes, not all, but sometimes people's inability to feel discomfort mm-hmm. and to, totally. to see the reality of of the world, to see what is truly happening. Mm-hmm. And I think because we are captively paying attention, especially during that time, we had no choice but to watch because we were all watching the news because we didn't know what was happening with this pandemic. So Mm -hmm. we were our hand, even though, you know, a lot of us know and understand that there is systematic racism and there is systematic injustice and all of these issues exist for many long period of time. It still created this opportunity to sit with and be with the others pain or grievances, but we were so quick, people are so quick to placate and Mm -hmm. sort of dissipate the upset by saying, oh, but is it really that bad though? We've made progress, but if it it was, my favorite responses, I'm doing air quotes were, (laughs) but if it was really that bad, then, you know, this, whatever, we wouldn't have as many people of color in positions of power. And it's like, right. right. But really, but, mm-hmm. but okay. So you think that it doesn't exist because of that? Like, I think it's way more of a behemoth of a conversation that needs to happen and, and we need to sit with it. Right. We need to create exactly. space or we need to, feel the discomfort. We need to look at our own choices. We need to observe our own blind spots and how we make choices or how our choices being made for us. So I really like that. And that's one of the reasons why I really loved your book. You know, I, I really love that piece, that invitation to reflect and be able to observe, okay, what is this really though? Is this me? Like, how do I discern between what is going to create healthy positivity and what is going to be toxic positivity. And it's work that I think if we all do, it will create for a better place because it gives us an opportunity to be with the other. You know, I I reference the other a lot. And for me, the other is our counterparts, our beloved, our tribe, our people, our family members. So I, then my Buddhist sentiment comes in and says the othering it's, is, it's about the oneness of the whole, right? But I also know, again, having the background that I do, there's a little bit of that gaslighting that happens in that, right? Where I'm like, oh, but we're all one. Right. I'm like, but we're not. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but we're all one. And part of my belief system is, yeah, it is a non-dual existence, right? The moment that I start to think in duality, I've disconnected myself from you. Therefore, we're separate. We're not one. Mm-hmm. But in my heart of hearts, I want to love the other. I want to be with. I want to create space and 
it's not about proximity. It's really about the collective, right? The more energetic part of us, of we, of what creates our community, of what creates the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. And it's not but or the other. It's and there are a lot of issues and it's going to take a lot of work for us to both get to that place. Absolutely. But I, I think what you're speaking to is like this, we just need to have the ability to sit with other people and hear their experiences. I think that's what creates the feeling of being one is like, I may not be going through exactly what you're going through, but I have also felt fear. I have also felt disconnect, you know, whatever it is, the experiences might be different, but I think the oneness comes from the shared feeling or emotion or how that happens to us. Yeah, no. And I totally agree with that. And I, I like to invite the fact that fear is fear, pain is pain, Mm -hmm. trauma is trauma to my trauma is no better or worse than yours. It's like trauma exists in the body trauma is trauma. It's going to have the same exact response physiologically in your system than the other. And again, it's not, I'm not comparing apples to apples. This has nothing to do with this, the degrees of trauma. And yes, there are traumas that are worse than others, but that's not, it's not a competition. You know, I last, or in 2020 or whenever, I'm like, they've both melded together over (laughs) the years. It's the pandemic years. Yes. I don't know if you ever got a chance to get on Clubhouse, but I did in the beginning when it was first kind of popping off and I really liked it. I'm like, I thought that it was such an incredible tool. And after a couple of months, I'd get on and it was the same type of thing. I kept calling it tragedy porn. I'm like, I'm going to go listen to some tragedy porn. Everybody's trying to out tragedy each other. And then it just felt so just icky. I'm like, why are we just sitting here trying to out tragedy each other? Why can't we just sit here and hold space for each other and talk about solutions and start to head towards that journey to healing as opposed to see at this point, othering means something else, right? We're Mm -hmm. othering in the sense of the separateness between you and I and how we're different because I'm had a worse experience. Therefore it means what? Like I need more attention. I need more help than you do. Like, yeah. You know, I know it's a slippery slope to go down, so we're not going to go fully down that path. (laughs) But but I just, I'm curious as a mental wellness professional, what is the best way to go about that? How can we create that space to sit with another person? I find that the thing that you're talking about happens more when people have been like routinely dismissed over time. And then they sort of get in this space, right? Where they're like, I have to almost prove that I'm allowed to be talking about this or that it's bad enough. And so what you can do for the people in your life is create like these little moments of space that it can be the easiest thing. Like if your spouse comes home from work and they're complaining, just being like, oh, that sounds like it was really hard. And you'll be surprised that when you do that, they just stop complaining. Like they got their validation, they're good and they move on. Then if you say like, oh my gosh, have you talked to your boss? Like, I can't believe you're still complaining about this. It almost like ups their need to prove why they're allowed to complain. 
people get scared that if they do that, they're going to like endorse negativity or make the person complain more. But I find as a therapist, it does the opposite. Wow. That's great advice. It's those simple interactions, right? Where you you can invite the other person to elaborate or to just feel seen. I do this with my partner whenever there's an issue like this, right? Where mm-hmm. there is a, most of the time it's me being like, you're not listening <laughs> to me, but we have really great communication. And part of my desire to be validated or seen is to ask the question, well, tell me about that. Tell me why you feel that way. Like, tell mm-hmm. me more about what you're feeling. All of a sudden it changes the dynamic where I'm experiencing being seen and being heard. And then it dissipates the charge that's that's inside, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, God, that's so interesting. I love that so much. What was your favorite part to write in your book? I love to ask authors this. Yeah. You know, I think it was the chapter on the history of positive thinking that like that research just blew me away. I could have written a whole book on that. And then the last chapter that we were just talking about the discrimination with the smile chapter, which is also historical, I thought was so interesting to write. What was the most difficult chapter to write? Oh gosh. Anytime that I was talking about myself was very hard (laughs) or anything that I was dealing with. And I think also just like picking, you know, client stories. I wanted to make sure that a lot of people felt heard through the characters that were presented in the book. And and that was like a tall order for me. So as a parent, what will you teach your children future? about positive thinking or or being positive? I really want my child or children to know that all emotions have value, positivity and happiness included. And I hope to have everything really on an even playing field and teach how we can utilize each of those emotions for different things. And that one isn't always the optimal experience. Yeah, I love that. So where can people that are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, where can they reach out for more information? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at sitwithwit or sitwithwit.com. And we will put all of those links in the show notes or the show description below. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, hit the info button and all the links to connect with Whitney will be there. I have one final question and it's with regard to this podcast. I ask every single guest. So we started uh, the Radically Loved podcast. Well, Radically Loved in general as a place for people to go to, to get inspired, to feel supported. And the whole idea is that we are radically loved by God, source, higher power, whatever you believe in, that the universe works for us and not against us. So the final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? You know, becoming a parent has made me feel radically loved. It's a it's a really weird thing that I didn't expect, but it just feels like there's like that connection there that as long as I'm showing up, there is love there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Love that. No pun intended. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. We loved talking to you and we loved your book so much. And we can't wait for everybody to read it. The name of the book is called Toxic Positivity. And 
I will be giving away five copies of the book on Instagram. So if you're listening to this and you want a free copy, just tag both Wit and I on Instagram at sitwithwit and at Rosie Acosta, and you will enter a chance to win a free copy of her book. Thank you so much for those of you who are here, those of you that are watching the video. Thanks for going to YouTube and watching them because they're so much fun for us to make now. And if you're listening to this and you think that it will bring value to somebody you know, please share with them. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you all so much. Remember that you are radically loved. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.